Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I want to talk to you today about how you can get out of trouble. How many of you ever found yourself in trouble before? Facing a situation, you know, where you're just, it's a time of trouble in your life. Well, you know, in times of trouble, Mother Mary won't help you. Now, if you're some of the older people, you know what that means. But uh, Mother Mary won't come to you. She won't help you in times of trouble. But the Word of God will. And so we're going to talk today about how you can get out of troubling situations. When you find yourself caught in something, when you find yourself discouraged, when you find yourself, uh, as I kind of referred to or alluded to a little earlier today, like, you know, I can't go on. I don't know what to do. I don't know where my answer is. I'm telling you, there is an answer in God. Amen? Hallelujah. So number one, I want to give you today, I think I'll have time for, for uh, three, three points, I hopefully. Hopefully that uh, number one, you have to realize if you're gonna get out of the, of the situation you're in, this is real fundamental, this is real elementary, but it's so powerful. And even if you know it, when you're in the midst of a, of a bad situation, it's easy to forget what you know. Amen. Number one, realize that God is not your adversary that God is not the one who's after you. He's not the one who's troubling you. He's not responsible for the situation you're in. He didn't bring it on you. God is not your adversary. Amen. See, in, in times of discouragement, in times of trouble, when you feel overwhelmed, there's a natural tendency to pull back from God. Not a, not a natural spiritual, not, nat, not, not natural spiritually, but natural naturally. In other words, the old man, the natural man, the unsaved component in your life, the old man wants to pull back and often even uh, console himself in his troubles. Take refuge in your troubles. We have another phrase licking your wounds. We have a tendency to want to focus on how bad things are and woe is me and I'm just, you know, just sort of enjoy a little pity party. The problem with pity parties is you can't get anybody else to come along with you. You'll have some people that'll drop by and, and make some short visits, but they're not gonna stay with you in your pity party. You are all alone in that little party and it's not nearly as much fun as it seems like at the time. It doesn't help for you to withdraw and draw into yourself and start feeling sorry for yourself and start feeling, you know, how uh, put out you are and put upon you are and how uh, people have done you wrong and if people only knew how bad you felt and just take refuge in your feelings. The whole time you're doing that, you're, you're stiff-arming God. Amen. God is not your adversary. God is your help. God is here to help you. He wants, so number one, don't run from God. Number one under number one, don't run from God. 
Number one is God is not your adversary. First point is don't run from God, run to him. Say this when you're in situations like this. The Lord is my strength and the Lord is my helper and the Lord will help me, amen? Go with me over to Hebrews 13. We'll see this real clearly. And if you don't know to do this, this scripture will give you an absolute mandate for doing what I just said. Verse number six says, well, verse number five, the last part of number five, it says, for he himself has said. Now, the reason it says he himself, I think in the older King James, it just says that for he has said. In the new King James, it says he himself. That's because in the original Greek language, the way this is actually uh, the grammar, the way it's written, is that there's emphasis. There's a special, extraordinary emphasis on he. And so the New King James and a lot of other modern translations have picked up that emphasis and it's, he's saying he himself. In other words, in other words, especially him. He himself. Or you can say it like this, none other than the Lord. None other than the Lord has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, if your friend says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, you know, that's, that's comforting, but they might. <laughs> Amen, they might. Or they might be on vacation when you need them. Aren't you glad to know Jesus is never on vacation? He never takes a vacation. He's never not available. He's never not out of reach. Or, or he's never out of reach. He, he's always acceptable. Jesus himself, none other than the Lord himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Woo, that's good news. But you know, it's one thing to know that's good. It's one thing to say amen, and it's one thing to, to in unison today say, oh, yes, that's wonderful. But see, that's not going far enough. He said that he himself Jesus himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you so that we may boldly say. He said that so you'd say it. It's not enough to believe it up here. It's not enough to have, the, have your theology right and your doctrine right. He said he said this. He said this so we would say it. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. In times of trouble, when you're facing anything and discouragement comes, say to yourself, the Lord is my helper. The Lord himself is my helper. And guess what? He, say this, he will help me. Say that, the Lord is my helper and he will help me. Hallelujah. That's good news. He's on, God is on your side. Now, you might not be completely right in everything. You might have missed the mark. You might be wrong in your attitude or your conduct or, or something you've done. You might be wrong, but God is still for you. He's not for the wrong, but he's for you. He will help you. Amen. The Lord's on your side. Amen. Go over with me to John 10. 
John 10. Very familiar verse, a lot of people know, but everybody needs to be reminded of it. Verse 10, John chapter 10, verse 10 says, Jesus said, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. There's a wonderful contrast here. He said the thief. You, everyone knows, of course, that the thief is the devil. That's who he's talking about. He's talking about the devil. He said the, the devil came and the devil comes, he said, to, he says the devil does not come except to. In other words, the devil does, he doesn't have any other objective. The devil always comes to steal, to kill, and to, and to destroy. Then Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Well, that would be the opposite of stealing, killing, and destroying. Isn't that right? But you know, a lot of people are still confused today over who's the source of their trouble. A lot of people believe God's the source of their problems. Well, you know, the Lord's bringing this trouble into my life. You know, he, he's, he's I, I tell you what, you have, to, you have to stand against that notion because frankly, most of us, if you grew up in church, let me put it that way, most of us grew up hearing that that God brings tests and trials into our lives and that many of the misfortunes that come in life come because God is testing us. You know, it occurred to me yesterday, I was meditating on that. People say, well, God's just testing me. God's just, why does God need to test you? He knows you pretty good. He already knows what you can do. He already knows what you've done a thousand times. What good would God, why would God have to test you? When I sit in these chairs, I don't test them. I just sit down on them because I have experience with these chairs. Well, why would God have to test you? You've given him a lot of experience. God's not testing you. He's not trying you. He's not putting you through the ringers. Amen. Like I said, he already knows you pretty good. But people will say, well, God, you know, God did this. God brought this tragedy into my life. You know, this sickness or this lack or whatever it is. It is so deeply entrenched in religion. And, and it's hard, even though you know the truth, it's hard to, to not let your mind sometimes revert back. Because whenever you get into a place where you are under pressure and you're in trouble and the enemy's fighting against your mind and you're discouraged and you're, and you're depressed and you're anxious. When, when you allow yourself to get that way, you've already moved over on the devil's territory. Now, I didn't say discouragement won't come. I'm not saying that, that you can live your life and never have discouragement come your way or have uh, depression present itself, but you don't have to respond to it. But when you find yourself in the place where I, just, where I was just describing, where you're down and you feel like the whole world's against you and you're kind of licking your wounds and you're kind of you know, uh, wallowing in your misery, so to speak, you've already given in to the enemy's suggestion in your life. You've already yielded to it. 
Well, if you're going to get out of that, you're going to have to change. Because you can draw the curtains and just stay in that darkness the rest of the day or the rest of the week or the rest of your life. And God's calling you out, but he expects you to do something. And so you recognize, first of all, God's not causing this and God is for me. He's not against me. He's for me and he has an answer. And he said, I will help you. So I say, he will help me. I am receiving help from the Lord. And then, in, but, but when you get into that mode, into that, into that place uh, emotionally in your mind, you will easily revert back to wrong thinking. Because like I said, these things are ingrained in our thinking, most of us from childhood. Most of us heard these things as little kids. I did. Different ones had problems, you know, and, and, and I heard it all my life. Well, God allowed this and God brought this. You know, I, the, the biggest thing that, that impacted me, I'd never really, it never really impacted me even though I'd heard it, but it never really came home to me like it did when I was 11 years old and my dad was, was just suddenly killed in an accident. And people just, you know, everywhere. Well, you know, the, we don't understand these things. We don't know why God allows these things or why God does these things. But, you know, in his infinite wisdom, he, you know, he knew it was time to take Brother JB and uh, we just can't, you know, we can't get angry with God. We just have to accept his, his providence and his plan and, you know, I heard that. And it didn't sit well with me. Not, not right away. I was 11. It, 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 I was so hurt and so injured. But by the time, a couple of years, by the time I was 12, 13, particularly by 14, I was angry at God. Because why would God take my, my father away from me? Well, God wanted, he had a place for him in heaven. Well, I had a place for him here. He had a place here in my life. When I was... Just a, about three years ago, maybe two years ago, my aunt, his sister, we were at a, at a family reunion. I brought up something, you know, about my dad's passing, you know, that, uh, and I said, well, you know, it wasn't the will of God. And she got almost mad at me all of these years later. And she's a godly woman. She was. She's gone home to be with the Lord now, but she was a godly woman, loved God. She said, JB's death was absolutely the will of God. God had a purpose in that, and it was God's plan. Well, I know that's not true, but people are firmly established in that. Well, Jesus, it's real easy to see right here who is, it, who is behind things that happen in life. He said, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. If it is stealing, killing, and destroying, it is the devil's work. Now, we might help him sometimes, but if we help him, it's because he drew us into it. Okay? Sometimes people, people are, cannot receive forgiveness for something they've done. They say, well, you know, I, I did this with my eyes open. You know, I, I did this. Yeah, you did it, all right, and you, and you need to make that right with God, but don't ever forget the devil was behind it too. Yeah, you did it, but the devil was behind it. He was the one tempting you. He was the one putting pressure on you. And so God, and God knows that. So repent and turn to God and, and receive the free forgiveness that he offers. And don't wallow around in your past mistakes and failures. 
Just understand that, yeah, you might have done wrong, but the devil was behind it. And once you identify the thief who steals, kills, and destroys, you are a long ways ahead of the game. I mean, you're, you're far, you've moved far beyond where you were. You're on your way out of that situation when you just recognize who's responsible for your trouble. Amen. Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Oh, glory to God. Go with me over to, to uh, 1 Peter. And let's look at this from, a, from another verse. 1 Peter, let's go to chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8. Be sober, be vigilant. I like to say it like this. Keep your head screwed on right. Keep your head screwed on right. In other words, don't get it, don't get it screwed around backwards, turned backwards. Make sure you've got it oriented to the right thing. Get your head screwed on right. That's what he's saying. That's, my, that's my, my paraphrase. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Notice again who your adversary is. It's not the Lord. The Lord's not your adversary. Your adversary is the devil. He's the one who wants to bring you down. He's the one who is either causing the trouble in your life or helping you cause it. You, you might be causing a lot of your own problems, but, but the devil's helping you. He's the one inspiring you. He's the one that's, that's encouraging you. You need to identify that, 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 uh, that mean, nasty, ungodly, hateful devil. You need to identify him and call him out. And you say, no, 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 no. You're the one putting this depression on me. You're the one that's trying to make me feel sorry for myself. You're the one that's trying to take my joy from me. You're the one that's causing me to think bad about other people and start holding grudges against them. No, I'm not gonna do it. Lord, help me. Help me. You're my helper. I know you'll help me. Glory to God. You said you'd never leave me. I feel like I'm in the darkness, but you said you'd never leave me, so you're here right in this darkness, right in this time of trouble, right when it feels bad, right when I just want to sit down and have a good cry, right in the middle of that, you said that you would never leave me. That means you're here. You're here. That means you said that you'd help me, and so I am receiving help from the Lord. Glory to God. Amen. Call the devil out. Amen. Call the devil out. Call your emotions out. Those old emotions you're trying to make, I'm, you know, all this feel sorry for myself. No, you don't. That's the devil working on my emotions. I'm not gonna do that. I'm not yielding to that. Amen? Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Notice the next verse. verse. Resist him. Resist him. Resist him. Don't yield to him. Resist him. Resist that discouragement. How do you do that? Well, one way you do that is say, I resist this discouragement. 
Say it out of your mouth. Say it out loud. Say it with conviction. If tears are streaming down from your, from your eyes and there's a quiver in your voice and you feel weak, just muster, muster up the street to out loud say, I resist you, devil. I resist weakness. I resist fear. I resist doubt. I resist condemnation. I resist discouragement. I resist depression. I resist offense. I resist. Resist him. Oh, glory to God. The next word is steadfast in the faith. See, resisting the devil is part of your faith walk. I walk by faith. I live by faith. Part of, we all like to talk about living by faith. One faith is wonderful. I have the faith of God. That means resisting the devil. That is part and parcel of the exercise of faith and the walk of faith is resisting the devil steadfastly. Now, what does steadfastly mean? That means all the time. That means that means steadfastly means all the time without wavering, without without changing. That you're always in the mode of resisting the devil. Resist him. Resist him. Now, you have to understand that the devil will present himself in a way that you won't know it's him. Doesn't it say over in 2 Corinthians that, that, that the messengers of the devil present themselves as agents of light? And he says, no wonder for the devil himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Not everything that comes to you that sounds like light is light. Not everything that people say to you that sounds right is right. Not everything that sounds sweet is sweet. The enemy is always trying to set you up and he will transform himself into an agent of light, but he's darkness. Yeah. Resist him. You know, resist, stand your ground. Stand your ground. Well, y'all pray for me. I'm trying. No, you've got it all wrong. If you came over to my house, let's say, you know, we had you over for dinner or something and, and uh, you noticed a $100 bill laying on the, on the kitchen counter. Now, how many of you would be tempted to steal that? I know you're not gonna raise your hand even if you would. <laughs> you, you wouldn't think, oh, pastor just left the room. I just want to steal. I'm going to put that in my pocket. He won't know it. Now, you wouldn't be tempted. If the temptation came, what would you do? You'd resist it. The thought might come to your mind, hey, that's $100. Pastor won't even miss it. He he probably doesn't even know it's up. What would you you do? You'd say, stop that. Stop that. You'd say, stop it, devil. You'd say to yourself, stop thinking like that. That's ridiculous. Isn't that right? Well, that's what you do with everything the devil says. You don't play with it for a little while. I mean, you wouldn't turn in a prayer request next Wednesday night and, and, have, and have Brother Doug or Brother Dan come up and say, well, you know, Eric has requested prayer. Y'all pray for me. I've been tempted to steal $100 from the pastor. 
Y'all pray for me that I won't do it. Now, they wouldn't pray that. They wouldn't pray that. They wouldn't, they wouldn't bring that before the church. That's crazy. We don't need to pray for Eric that he won't steal $100 from me. He just knows he has to resist that. Y'all pray for me. Every Sunday morning, I leave here after church and I am so, I've, I've been tempted to rob that gas station up at the interstation. Matter of fact, I almost did it. I pulled in there last week and pulled into the parking lot and got out of my car. Then I, then I got cold feet and got back in my car. Y'all pray for me I don't go down there this week and, and rob that gas station. No, you know what to do with that. You say, no, I'm not robbing a gas station. Are you crazy, self? <laughs> self, are you nuts? Or you know better than that. That's what you do with every suggestion the devil brings your way. Resist him steadfast in the faith. That's, that's the life of faith. Somebody asked, I know Brother Hagin told this story. He says years ago, somebody asked, and they, this man, he was serious. Called Brother Hagin aside after one of his meetings. Can I, can I talk to you for a minute? He said, yeah. King he said, I want you to pray for me. He said, what for? He said, I want you to pray for me that I won't ever have any more problem with the devil. And Brother Hagin, without missing, you know, he was real quick, you know, without missing the beat. He said, he took him by the hand. He said, so you want me to pray for you that you'll die, right? He said, no, no, I don't want to die. He said, well, that's the only way you're never going to have any more problems with the devil is if you die. Because as long as you're alive, you're going to have problems with the devil. I can't pray that you're not going to have problems with the devil. And some people think that, that they can go through life and not have any more problems. He is going to be on your doorstep every morning and you have to steadfastly. That means you get in the habit of running him off the doorstep every morning. You get up and as soon as he presents himself, you take the newspaper, whatever you have to do, and you run him off. Just like an old stray dog, you just run him off. You just know you're not getting in my life today. When that discouragement, when that, when that uh, feeling of being overwhelmed and, and, and you're just under the gun and the whole load of the world is on your shoulders, you shake yourself and say, no, the load of the world's not on, gonna be on my shoulders. Yeah. Jesus said, my, my, my burden is easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Take my yoke upon me and upon you and learn of me, Jesus said. He said, my yoke is easy. Oh, glory to God. So I don't have a burden on me. I'm not carrying any kind of weight. Jesus didn't say go through life carrying a weight. He said right over in 1 Peter, we just read verse, verses eight and verse nine. I think verse seven said, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. He doesn't want you carrying care around. He doesn't want you carrying problems around, discouragement around and, and, just, and just nursing those things and those things and then just thinking about how overwhelming it is and how bad it is and how unfortunate you are. And if you were just like other people or if other people could just for one moment experience what I'm experiencing, they wouldn't have such a smile on their face either. <laughs> Cast your cares, the whole of your cares. The Amplified says all your anxieties once and for all over on him. Verse seven, 1 Peter 5, 7. For he cares for you affectionately and watches over you carefully and affectionately. Amen? Well, praise the Lord. Well, glory to God. I'm not gonna get to these other... You people just listen too good. Resist every thought that is contrary to the word of God. Resist it. Resist it. Hallelujah. Turn with me to Philippians. And look at... Uh, hallelujah. 
Look at verse number, chapter four, verse number eight. Let's start in verse number six. Be anxious for nothing. Do, do not have any anxiety. I think the Amplified says, do not worry or have any anxiety about anything. I'm telling you, I've been there and you, every one of you have too where that just seems like an insult. How in the world could God expect me to not have any anxiety about this? Doesn't he know how bad this is? Doesn't he know how much trouble I'm in? Doesn't he know how bad I feel? How, dis how discouraged I am? I read years ago in, in studying the Greek of this passage, one, one Greek scholar says that this says, do not be anxious for not even one thing. That in the original Greek, it's that emphatic. Do not be anxious or worried or stressed out, not even about one thing. Well, that's just hard. Well, number one, if God said not to do it, then you can not do it. Either that or God's unfair. If God's unfair, then he's not who he said he was. If he's unfair, he's not God. He's a despot. If he's unfair, we can't trust him. But all of those things are false. They're all wrong. We know he's not unfair. He, we know when he said, do not be anxious for not even one thing. In that command is the power to not be anxious. Don't, don't be trying to win your battles outside of the, of the equipping and the help that God offers. Amen. We're not talking about standing in your own strength. We're, talk, we're not talking about having a better mental outlook and, and psyching yourself up and just trying to be positive. We're talking about when, when God's word says, do not be anxious, not even about one little thing. There's power. Jesus said, Every word of God is with power. That's what the Lord told Mary. That's, that's, what, that's not, not what Jesus said. That's what Gabriel told Mary, the mother of Jesus. Every word of God is with power. So there's power in that word. Well, you, resist him in the strength of the Lord. Restraint, resist him with the word. Don't try to resist him with your own ability. In your own uh, wherewithal. Some of you need to listen now. Brother Hagin used to tell this story when he was alive and it's the best one I ever heard and, and uh, so I'm gonna tell it again. You've probably heard it. Back in the, and he didn't witness this but he read about it. In, in uh, I think it was in San Diego back in the 1930s. The United States uh, military and the Navy were, they were experience, uh, experimenting with lighter than air uh, aircraft. And they had this big dirigible, is that how you say this? This big blimp, we would call it, you know, big thing uh, on the, in the Navy yard there in, in um, San Diego. And there were thousands of people. The, the press had come out. It was a big show of some kind. And there were military people there, officers and enlisted people and sailors, you know, and, and, and people from the community and had this big, this big uh, blimp. And it was moored to the ground by a couple of big cables, and one of the, of the rings that, that, that held that uh, cable broke 
And, and the other one, and because of the force, you know, it lifted off the ground. The other one broke, and that thing started dripping, lift, drifting, you know, up in the air, started going up. Well, some of the sailors ran out, you know, not thinking. They grabbed hold of those ropes, you know, trying to hold it down. Well, there was no way. And, and most of them let go, but there were three or four that held on, and the thing got higher. And higher. Now they're up, you know, 40, 50 feet, you know. And uh, one by one, these guys gave out. And it got up to 200 feet, you know, and, and finally these guys, you know, they just held on as long as they could and they, you know, their hands wore out and they dropped and fell to the ground and were killed. One, two, three. And, and according to the newspaper reports, the place was hysterical. People, he said, that the grown men, officers, the naval officers were crying. Uh, sailors were running around just frantic, not knowing what to do. The crowds, the, 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 the onlookers there, people were just freaking out. They were wailing and covering their eyes. It was a horrible situation because there was one man still holding on to that thing. And this thing went up to like 2,000 feet. And they're covering their eyes because it's going to be a horrible scene when this man drops loose from there and comes plummeting to the ground. He was up there a half an hour and I think a little longer. And finally, they were able to get him uh, from inside the dirigible. Someone, someone was able to get down to him and they very carefully got him off of those ropes and got him safely inside the craft. And he was just hovering around San Diego, you know. And uh, they finally, you know, propelled it because you know, it had some propulsion on it and they got it where they needed to go. And uh, when, he, when, he, when he got out, people said, how did you hold on? How did you hold on that rope all that time? These other people did that for a little while and they fell off. And he said, I wasn't holding on to anything. He said, as soon as I realized what was going on, he said, there was actually two or three ropes there. And when I realized that it was too high for me to jump, for me to let go, I knew I'd never be able to hold on. He says, so I took those ropes and I, and I put them around me and tied them around me. He said, I wasn't holding on to anything. They were holding on to me. Yeah. And, and Brother Hagin says, that's, what, that's how you resist the devil. You don't do it in your own strength. You let the rope of God's word and his promises tie yourself up in the promises of God and do what that guy did. Just push out and hang free. Just hang out there and enjoy the scenery. Enjoy the ride because you know that God's word will not let you down. Wrap yourself up in the promises of God. Resist him, but in the strength of the Lord. Amen. Oh, glory to God. God will not let you down. He'll not let you down. Praise the Lord. Well, praise the Lord. I got through point number one. And let's stand up. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Huh? I didn't finish what? What did I not finish? Angela's trying to help me preach. Go ahead and stand up. Let her preach. You started verse six. Weren't you going down to eight? Yeah, I was going to go down to verse eight. She's right. Well, go ahead and stand. That'll, that might help. Go ahead and stand up. It won't hurt you. Praise the Lord. You can read your Bible standing up, can't you? Amen. That might help me stop. Might not. Be anxious for nothing. But yeah, I got excited about being anxious for nothing. Couldn't get off of that. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. And this is the verse I was really going to get to. She picked that up. How did you know where I was going? Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, 
Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things and the peace of God. Oh, glory to God. The latter part of verse nine, and the peace of God will be with you. Meditate on the right things in life. Don't meditate on the lies of the enemy. Don't meditate on discouraging thoughts. Don't meditate on doubt. Don't meditate on fear. Don't meditate on condemnation. Don't meditate on accusation. Don't meditate on depression. Don't meditate on those things. Meditate on the things that are good. Glory to God. The things that are just. The things that are noble. The things that are, that are pure. Well, it's true, yeah, but it might be true, but it's not pure. It, it's true, all right, but it might not be praiseworthy. Isn't that right? Well, it's true, all right, but, but it might not be virtuous. It has to pass the test of all these things. That's what you meditate on. If you'll spend your life meditating on the right things, the enemy won't have carnival in your mind and in your life. He won't control your emotions. He won't control your life. And if he is doing it, it's because you're not thinking about the right things. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. That part belongs to Angela. She... Glory to God. God's good, isn't he? Amen. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your kindness, Lord. Glory to God. These are simple truths, but we have to be reminded of them, Father. Glory to God. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We're stirred up, Lord, to keep our minds on the right things, to think about the right things, to resist the devil when he comes, to resist his lies because he is a liar. Jesus said he is. He is a liar and the father of lies and so why in the world would a Christian believe him or listen to him? So we don't listen to him, Lord. We listen to you. We listen to your word. We, we listen to, to the instructions of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we listen to the one on the inside. And he's always saying, trust in the Lord. Glory to God. He's always saying, the helper is there to help. Glory to God. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.